Well, we are in part number five of a four-part series. Sometimes it takes me a little longer. Like this. But we have been talking about I'm your Huckleberry. Uh, If this morning is your first um, time during this series, let me just throw out a disclaimer. Before you make too much judgment over what we talk about today, I would just encourage you to go back and listen either on SoundCloud or on Facebook Live and kind of catch up what we've talked about the last four weeks as we wrap this up today. What we have said as we have begun each week, we've said that if you were to talk to somebody outside of the church and ask them to describe the people inside of a church, they would use words like this. They would say judgmental, rude, self-righteous, arrogant, hateful, mean, angry, those those kind of words. But if you ask those very same people to, to describe Jesus with one word, they would come up with a completely different list. It would be something more like this, loving, kind, grace-filled, full of peace. That's very different, the way they describe Jesus versus the way they might describe people inside of the church. But if you look in the New Testament, the words that Jesus used to describe this group of people called the Pharisees, they, he described them very much like people outside the church describe people inside the church. Jesus described the Pharisees as self-righteous and rude and arrogant. A lot of words like that which sounds a whole lot like how we are described by people outside of the church. Now, the Pharisees were professional religious people. I mean, they were professional law keepers. That's who they were. And they took it so seriously that they had God's laws, and the Pharisees were so serious about this that they had their own laws that the Pharisees created, and they kind of put them on equal plane with God's laws. That's how serious they were about keeping the law. God's laws, and they added more to it than had their laws. Now, you can imagine that if you're going to create your own spiritual laws, that could have a tendency to make you very self-righteous. And that's what happened to the Pharisees. If they saw a person who was a Jewish person not living according to God's laws plus their laws then the Pharisees would see that person as dirty. And today's words, we could say the Pharisees saw that person as really muddy, very, very, very muddy. And they would judge that person, and they would keep that person at a distance away from them. Now, the Pharisees had no grace, and they had no mercy for other people around them. And largely, it may be because the Pharisees didn't think that they needed themselves grace from God and they needed mercy from God because they, you know, if you're going to create your own laws, then hey, you're, you're up there, right? They didn't think they needed that. So they obviously didn't have any grace or mercy for anyone else who was around them. Now, that really, really sounds like a charming group of people, right? I mean, Pharisees want to hang out with one. Well, they've earned their descriptions of self-righteous and judgmental and arrogant, angry and mean. They've really earned that. So why are people inside of the church so often described more like Pharisees than they are like Jesus? Partially, it may be because 
the same gospel as the Pharisees used. We could call it a gospel of mud management. That's so often the gospel that we use inside the church today. And it's a gospel that says this, basically. Until we address all of your sin, until you see all of your sin, until we make you understand your sin, you will never see your need for God. Or we might say something like this. The gospel of management would say this. Okay, thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, Jesus. But I'll take it from here. You got me started, and I'll take it from here. And I will go, and I will clean up my life now. Thank you for getting me started, but I'll take it. I'll clean up my life. I'll clean the mud off of my life. Work really hard at cleaning my life. And then I'll work really hard at staying away from the mud and the lives that are muddy around me. I'll stay away from them. Now, that's the gospel of mud management. Now, this has been our launch pad for the past four weeks in this series. You know, Jesus has commanded us to be the salt, and he's commanded us to be the light. And in all of this we have a decision that we have to make. If we're going to be followers of Jesus, we have a decision we have to make. We have a choice to be what Jesus called us to be, the salt and the light. And we're not talking about the kind of salt that people would say, wow, that that is some salty salt. I, I mean, you are the saltiest salt I have ever been assaulted by. I mean, you are some salt. I mean, you've really got it going on. You are some tasty, tasty salt. Or we're not talking about the kind of light that says, you, oh my goodness, you are the lightiest light I've ever seen light. You're an amazing light. I, I love your light. You may be the best light I've ever seen. Have you seen the mosquitoes attracted to your light? I mean, you're, you're an amazing light. We're not talking about a salt where people start looking at you and how salty you are. No, no, we're, we're talking about a salt, a salt that makes people thirsty. Not to be around you, but that makes them thirsty for Jesus. And we're talking about a light, not that shines on you, but a light that clearly shines the way to Jesus and Jesus alone. Now, Jesus takes this image that he presents and says, you're the salt and you're the light. And then he ends this little uh, teaching time that he has. He ends it with this phrase. Let's go to this phrase. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 16, here's how Jesus ends this talk. He says, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out. Let the good things you do, the decisions that you make, the choices you make, your actions, your behaviors, your attitudes, really the total package you, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. 
not so they will look at you and say, wow, you are an amazingly salty salt. And not so that they will look at you and say, you're the lightiest light I've ever seen light. No, it's so that your light points them to Jesus. Your salt makes them thirsty for Jesus. And this is our desire. At Stuttgart Harvard Church, for all to see, not us, not you, but to see their way to the Father and praise Him. Because He's changing your lives, and He's beginning to change the lives of the people that you have invited. Okay. If you're a Christ follower this morning, we have a choice to make. And, and this choice relates to us being the salt and us being the light. Will we go where Jesus has asked us to go? Yeah. See, she will. And will we do what Jesus has asked us to do? Now, we might. We might. But the truth is, some of us will answer with a no. Because the reality is this. Each one of us, and, and don't miss this, if you don't trust God, you won't go where he asks you to go. If you don't trust God, you won't do what he's asked you to do. If you don't trust that what God is asking of you to go and to do, if you don't trust that it is the best, you won't do it. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I didn't say, I didn't say that what he is asking you to do is going to pay your light bill. I didn't say that. I didn't say that, that his best, what he's talking about, is going to make your life more simple. It's going to make your life full of pleasure. I didn't say that. I didn't say that it's even going to make your life longer, that you'll live longer if you do these things. I, I didn't say that. It's not going to make your life easier. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply saying this. What he is asking is for the best. It's his best. It's his best plan to save the lost sheep to find that lost coin, to embrace that lost son. It's his best. And he invites you, if you're a Christ follower, to be a part of that. His best plan to change the world. He gives you a choice. We can follow him and we can say yes to what he, his plan is in changing the world one life at a time or... We can follow the way of the Pharisees. And we can try to clean this world up ourselves, this muddy, muddy world, and we can try to scrub it and clean it by pointing at the mud at other people's lives and by keeping a safe distance away from those muddy lives. Now, this is a big choice. And your choice is going to have lasting impact on your church, on Stuttgart Harvest Church. I believe the most spiritual thing you will do today is not attending a worship experience. 
The most spiritual activity that you will do today is to engage in the process of making choices. Think of this with me. Every choice that you make, every decision that you make, it's either directing you toward God and toward his best, toward his pleasure, or that choice is directing you away from God toward your own pleasure and ultimately toward shame. Every decision. Now, let me give you some background on this passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. What we're going to be reading is a passage that does not, does not have direct application to your lives. We can't take the words that we're going to read here in just a moment, and we cannot make a blanket statement that says, these are God's words for us today. Because the words that we're going to read were not said to you. And they were not said about you. But they are recorded for you. Now, these were very specific instructions And they were given to this new nation, this nation of Israel. And these instructions are actually part of God's overall redemptive purpose and his plan for the whole world. Which involved this specific nation and these specific instructions. But... They were not written to us. Now, I just give you that. I make a big deal out of that just to give you a caution. Be cautious of teachers who make everything in the Bible a direct word from God to you. Because that's not always the case. God has everything in the Bible for you. But it's not all a direct word to you. So while this, what we're going to read, was not written about us, we can still learn from the truth that we're going to find in this passage. It contains such great truth. But again, this was a message that God gave Moses, and Moses was to give it specifically to this Israel nation, this new nation. So they had left Egypt out of slavery. The ten plagues, all of that, they crossed the Red Sea, they wandered around a bit. This is God now, they're in a state of pause, they're on pause, and God now gives them this instruction. Moses is giving it to them on behalf of God. Here's where we find it, Deuteronomy chapter 30, we're going to start with verse 15. And now Moses is addressing everyone, no PA system here, he's just addressing everyone. He says, now listen, today I'm giving you a choice between life and and death between prosperity and disaster. For I command you this day to love the Lord your God and keep his commands, decrees, and regulations by walking in his way. If you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you're about to enter and occupy. Now, those were instructions to everybody this nation of Israel. But I believe that there is a truth right here for us if we could hit pause for a moment. 
While this was not written to us, it is there for us. And here's a little nugget of truth. There comes a time in everyone's life where they must choose between life and death, between a God-honoring, a God-blessed lifestyle, or running away from God. And Moses right here is speaking what God told him to speak, and he's challenging this entire nation, make a choice, pick a direction, decide upon a path, and he's saying this, follow God or follow yourselves. Now, Moses continues. Let's go to verse 19. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, Moses is, is now saying, we're going to make this official. We're not just going to say, hey, go home and decide. Go home and talk about this with your family and just make a decision. Moses is getting ready to say here, we're going to call on God and all of his creation to witness the decision that you make. Here's how he words it. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Now, Moses next is going to plead with the people, really beg the people knowing they have a free choice, they can do whatever they want, and he's going to beg them to choose life. He says this, oh, uh, as if to say, oh, my friends, this nation, you individuals and families, you people, oh, that you would choose life so that your, you and your descendants might live. See, Moses realized that the choice that each person would make is going to impact not just them, but it's going to impact generations of people who follow after them. And then Moses now, he tells them this. He says, I, I, I want you to make this choice. I, I want you to, to make the choice to choose life. In verse 20, he tells them how. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. And Moses says, this is not just an important step. This is not just a recommended, suggested step. He said, this is the step for Israel. He says, this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, now here's, this is so specific to Israel right here. You will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And right here, Moses is talking about this land that God has promised, all the way back to Abraham, has promised this nation. He promised, that's why it's called the promised land. He promised that they would live there. And Moses said, you must make a choice. And by the way, to not choose is to make a choice. To say, oh God, well, not now. I, I'm going to do this later, but not now. Is to say actually to God, no God, no. And Moses cries out to the people. He says, oh, that you would choose life. Now back to us. 
This is the most spiritual thing you do every single day, moment by moment by moment. And it is this, to make a choice. Every choice you make contains power. Every choice you make has the power to unlock a divine moment between you and God. We all know that some choices are made in a mere moment. I mean, just like that. In the snap of a finger, a choice can be made, and that choice can change your life forever. Some of your greatest regrets, if you're anything like me, some of your greatest regrets in this life have come from the flash of a moment where you made a choice. You said yes to that date. You stayed around when they pulled out that baggie. You stayed in the car when they made a quick run. You moved in. You didn't say yes, but you never said no. And that choice changed your life. And maybe you're living with the consequences of that regret to this day. But I love the implication of what Moses is reminding us here. We now have a moment. And this moment, this choice that you can make right now can bring you life. No matter how many bad choices that you have made in your past leading up to this moment. No matter what kind of life you have lived, the very next moment is waiting possibly for you to give birth to new life. The greatest hope that we have is the good news of Jesus. And the message is this. At our worst, we are only one choice away from a different life. And this is true for you right now. This is true for you in two ways. The first way, you. I, I'm talking about you yourself right now. You can start a new life right now. You can choose life right now. A choice to say this, Jesus, because you died on the cross for me, and it was at the cross where you paid the price for all of my sin. You died and you were buried and you walked out of that tomb three days later, and so now, Jesus, I can submit this life that you've given me, I can submit it to you. I can admit to you right now in this moment because of what you did on the cross. I can admit you are the boss of my life. And Jesus, I'm choosing to follow you. And some of you friends, you need to do that right now, this very moment you need to make that choice and tell God that right now. And understand this. To not make a choice is to make a choice. But we're begging you today. Will you say, and I would even go so, so far as to say this. The friend who invited you here today is also begging you today. Oh, that you would choose life.
Now, there's a second choice. Now, this applies to you if you're a Christ follower. You have a choice. You can give that very same hope to others starting now. It's a choice. It's, It's choosing to help bring life to other people. And maybe through this series, maybe even this morning, God has been nudging you with the feeling that it is time to stop expecting someone else to step up and to carry that message. And it is time to take that step for our very own, for ourselves. It's time possibly for us to quit talking about it and to start doing it. It's time for us to quit planning it and to start living it. It's time for us to stop watching it and to start walking it, to stop waiting on someone else to take action and maybe for ourselves to make that choice. And this week you have a a, a couple of opportunities. You have a chance this very week to stop waiting and to start doing. Wednesday night, we're showing that silly movie. Just bring somebody. Bring that person that you have been thinking about inviting to the church. Just bring them to the movie. You might be thinking, well, Harley, that that just doesn't sound really spiritual. And you're right. We're not going to share the gospel Wednesday night. We simply want to give you an opportunity, as Cole said, to bring that person into this building so that they will be possibly more likely to sit beside you on a Sunday morning. That's why. It's strategic. We do it because we know that you have people in your lives who are terrified about walking into a church building. Some people are terrified because they have received some kind of Pharisee-type judgment from another church or from other people at some point in their lives, and they are terrified to walk into a church environment. Some people, because they're just uncertain about what they're into. I mean, literally, what they're walking into, the unknown about what is beyond those front doors when they walk in. Some people... Because they have so much shame and so much guilt that they're feeling they can't come in. Some people, because they hate themselves. Some people, because they have never experienced real love. And for some of your friends, just walking into this building... For a silly old movie will make it easier for them to say, yes, I'll sit beside you on a Sunday morning just because they've been inside the building before. Now, there's a specific reason why we're doing this. It's not for family entertainment. There's nothing wrong with that. But it is a tool to help you make an eternal impact on your friend. You can make that did this week and just say, I'm going to invite a family who's not connected to another church, who's not connected to Jesus. I'm going to invite them Wednesday just to walk into this building. Now, that's not all. 
you have another chance this week. You have another chance this week to stop planning and to start living this. And this step even applies to you, our friends on Facebook Live right now. The person that you have been praying for through this series, we're going to ask you to just simply invite them to sit beside you this coming Sunday on Facebook Live just to invite them to watch from their home the same time you're watching from your home. And we're beginning this Sunday, that's why I'm telling you this, we're beginning a brand new series called The Fighter, and the tagline is this, you may be down, but you don't have to be out. And you have family and friends right now who need to hear what we're going to say, who need to be encouraged how we're going to encourage them and invite them to sit beside you. I would encourage you to tell them, that you'll meet them in the parking lot and walk him in. Now, this is going to be tough for you on Facebook Live. But here in this building, meet them in the parking lot. If God has nudged you this morning, here's what I'm asking. I have something I want you to do before you leave today. We're getting ready to have a video that's going to play. Before the giving buckets are passed and the connection cards go in, before that happens, here's what I want you to do. And if you're online, if you're on Facebook Live, you can fill out your connection card online. If you are choosing to follow Jesus for the first time, I'm asking you, mark the back of your connection card. Let me know you're making him the boss of your life. You're choosing to become a Christ follower today. Let me know that. Here's the second thing. If you put, if God has put on your mind a name of a person who needs to be in this building before they might come in on a Sunday morning, if he's put a name on your heart, and you're going to be talking to them about inviting them to the movie, I just want you in the comment section to write the word movie so that when I go through these connection cards tomorrow morning, I can pray for you as you're planning to invite that person to the movie. And here's the next thing. If God has placed a name on your heart that you're going to be inviting to sit beside you on a Sunday, then I want you to write on your connection card in the comment section, I want you to write Sunday, and I'll do the same. Tomorrow morning when I go through the connection cards, I will pray for you specifically and for the person that you'll be inviting. I want to pray for you tomorrow, and I want you to remember this. If you're inviting them for a Sunday, it often takes eight to 10 times of lovingly, kindly giving them an invitation before they will ever join you and sit beside you on a Sunday morning. So don't give up. And that's why we're asking you to start right now in inviting them because they may never come to this next series. It may take all the way to November and December before that person will sit beside you. So begin now, begin this week. Can you imagine the person that God has placed on your heart, can you imagine them sitting beside you with some of their family sitting with them? Can you imagine that person choosing life, choosing to say yes to Jesus? And can you imagine how your heart will feel because they made that choice and you were a part of them choosing life? Can you imagine God beginning to heal their marriage as they both learn to submit to God, to follow.
Can, can you imagine God leading someone out of addiction as they learn to surrender the care and the control of their life to Jesus? This is simply who we are at Stuttgart Harvest Church, and we're asking, will you join us in seeing God change lives, change us and the people around us forever, forever changed? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you commanded Moses to tell your nation Israel, pleading with them to choose life. He told them, they can make this choice by loving you, our Lord, our God, by obeying you and, and committing themselves firmly to you. And God, you told them, this is the key to life. And God, submitting to you is the key to our lives as well. May we choose life. May we choose to point others towards life every single day. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. Amen.